Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome again to the Science of the Covenant. On this holy day that Yah has given us every week a holy feast day. And I want to not only thank and praise his the Father, Abba, Yahuwah, but also his son, Yahusha, who came and died for our sins, that we may have a chance at redemption. I'm Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is the Pastor Richard Washington, and again, we are the Science of the Covenant. And we want you to know if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. And if you email us while the podcast is live, or even if you're watching live and you can put a message in the chat or comment in the chat, we will try and get to it on air. But if you are watching this after the fact, still email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com and we will try to get your question or comment on the next episode of our podcast. We also want you to know we're going to be taking about a two-week break. So two Shabbats, uh, we won't be airing. So next week, we will not be live on the 31st and on January the 7th. So again, we will not be live on December the 31st as well as January the 7th, but we will be returning on January the 14th. So mark your calendars. January the 14th, 2023, we will return. This will be an opportunity if you missed any of our podcasts on episodes, whether it's on anchor.com or on YouTube. This will be the perfect time these next two weeks to review some of our old podcasts. So, as you know, we also have been doing with a wonderful series the pastor has given us called The Destiny of Disobedience. And last week he dealt with uh, the physical, if you tuned in. And this week he's going to deal with the spiritual aspects, uh, dealing with the destiny of disobedience. So with that, Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Thank you very much, boys. What we want to do is two things here. Uh, We want to continue with the destiny of disobedience. And the second thing, this should be the concluding discourse on the destiny of disobedience. So uh, as we uh, come to this halt, as you pointed out, we'll have two weeks in which we'll be coming back. So it does give our listeners a chance to review some of the things if they so care to go over some of the discourses that we've previously had. And basically what we have been doing for the past weeks and months is to try to point out the disobedience of the destiny of disobedience. And as we have gone from almost Genesis to Revelation, we have been able to point out that Elohim's people has constantly gone astray. It's not enough just to say who we are, but Elohim also want to see that we are practicing the covenant, not just saying we are the people of the covenant, but that we are actually practicing the covenant. And that's where we have been headed. So as I pointed out, we want to continue today, but this would be the last discourse in the destiny of disobedience. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you that we are able to look to you and to be able to draw the essence from your word and to walk in obedience to the things, Lord, that you have given. 
pray and ask that you would be my host, be with each listener, be with me as I speak, that we may be taken into the camp of the saints to be able to discuss your word and to make it a part of our lives, that as we continue to walk through this world, we can be the witness, not only with what we say, but also in what we do. So we ask that your Holy Spirit may take and implement these things within our lives, that we can exemplify you aright. These blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, what we want to do, uh, now that we have examined the corporal composition of the corporal container, which we were talking about uh, uh, last discourse, let us now explore the spirit from which comes the spiritual essence. Remember, we talked about the body, the physical body. It was a temple, and that temple is where he housed his spirit. And we notice also that the heart was in the temple too, and the heart is our, our emotions and things of that sort. And we also talked about our thoughts, uh, the things that we uh, think about, and our imagination. All of those things come out of the heart, which is our emotions. It is the corporal container, which is our physical body. Remember, we talked about that, the corporal container, which is our physical body. That's what the corporal means, the, the body. So when we talk about the corporal container, which is our physical body that houses our spirit. Now, this spirit that encases our body, this, this, this spirit which is encased in our body is Yah's breath of life. So, so what we want, to, we will re reference this part of our study as the spiritual essence, and we'll call it the corporal constitution. So, when we talk about the corporal constitution, we call this part of our study the corporal constitution because of its composition. Now, as we pointed out, the corporal constitution is made up of two basic. Uh, components, and when we look at those two basic components, uh, what we are looking at is not only uh, the physical body, but we're looking at the spirit in the spiritual body, and when we look at the spirit within the physical body, then we are seeing how the spirit affects the, the human body. So, uh, the corporal constitution is made up of two basic components which are very vital to our existence. Now, the first vital component is in reference to the spirit and the physical body, which we call the pneumosomatic, pneumosomatic. And our first text that we want to deal with on the pneumosomatic is Genesis chapter 2, and verse 7, Genesis 2, 7. Okay, we want to look at that, that text. Here in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And Yah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. <clears throat> now, as we've already pointed out, that 
when the soil of the earth was shaped into a man, that was the physical part. And then when he breathed into man, the breath of life, that was the spiritual part. And as I pointed out, our physical temple houses the spirit temple because he wants his spirit to dwell in us. So now we're going to look at the spirit from two aspects. And the first aspect is called the pneumosomatic. Now, the pneumosomatic is the relationship of the spirit on the physical body. Okay. There is a physical body and there is a spiritual body. It is these two bodies which interact with one another to make one soul. So if we have a soul, according to uh, uh, Genesis 2-7, it says, And Yah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So what a soul is, a soul is two things. A soul is a physical being of man and the breath of life. When the breath of life came into the physical being, then you have a soul. So you don't have a soul just with the spirit. You don't have a soul just with the body. You have a soul when you join the physical with the spiritual. Then that is a soul. So when we consider the soul, we have to continue. We have to consider those two entities that makes up the soul. So <clears throat> the pneumosomatic. Now, when we say the pneumosomatic, the word pneumos means spirit, and somatic means body. The Greek word for spirit is pneumos. The Greek word for body is is soma, soma. So when you put the uh, spirit uh, with the body, you have pneumosomatic. So the spiritual part is the pneumos, and the body is a soma. And when we put those two words together, we have the pneumosomatic part of the soul is what gives the physical body life. So if you got a physical body, in order for that body to have life, it must have the breath of Elohim. It must have the spirit. And then we have life within that body. Even though Adam's body being, uh, even though Adam's physical body being uh, shaped and fashioned, Yet, it could not live until it had the spirit. And all of the necessary nutrients to support life was in the soil or the physical nature of Adam. But the only way that it could be living matter is that all of the necessary elements that was there had to still have the spirit, for without the spirit, it had been lifeless matter. Life can only come from Yah. Without the breath of life itself, which comes only from Elohim himself, there can be no life. All of the life's sustaining elements we derive from our food, no matter how nutritious our intake of minerals and vitamins, there cannot be any life unless there is a spirit of life which comes from Yah. When Yah both breathed into Adam 
to give him life, and when he spoke all the living creatures into existence, his words were life. The very words Yah uttered from his mouth are living oracles which have given life to all forms of living matter. Now let us turn to uh, Deuteronomy. We want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we want to consider uh, verse number 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Notice what it says here. It says here, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of Yah doth man live. Okay, now, here he's pointing out that man does not live by bread alone, okay? So he needs some bread. But what is pointing out here is that uh, you can't live by bread alone. This is the same scripture that Yeshua quoted when he was being tempted by the devil. So let us turn into Matthew. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, we also want to look at uh, 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 verse 4. Matthew 4, 4. Okay. Now, in Matthew 4, 4, it reiterates one of the same things that uh, is in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy of uh, 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 8.3. Now, here's what it says in Deuteronomy, in Matthew 4, 4. He said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of Elohim. Okay, so when we look at that quote, it came from Deuteronomy 8, 3. And he is saying that we don't live by bread alone. Okay, so... What is he saying? You don't live by bread alone. Well, he's pointing out the fact that bread is what we need to sustain life, but bread is not life. Bread sustains life, but is not life. Without the spirit, no matter how much bread you got, you, you, you still won't have life. So the bread that we eat still have to be accommodated by the spirit that is in us to give us life. Now, we look also, again, at the same passage in Luke. Now, you understand Luke was a doctor. He was a doctor. And he says here in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter and verse four, he said, and Yeshua answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of Yah. Okay, so we are saying the same thing over that uh, Matthew is saying that man should not live by bread alone, but by uh, every word that proceeded out of the mouth of Yah. And then Luke is saying 
man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of Yah. Okay? So when Yah spoke, that word was life. And when that life was into man, then man had life. Here, Yeshua is reiterating what Yah gave to Moses. He gave that to Moses. And if you look at Yah's son, he was the one in the Old Testament that we so-called that was given all of this to Moses. So he is again stating the principle that man cannot live by bread alone, but by Yah's word. Bread can only sustain life. It is not life. Anything we eat is not life. It sustains life. And it itself is life, but it has to get it from the spirit. It has to get it from the word. All of the minerals and vitamins and nutrients we take into our being only support life, which comes from Yah and his word. When Yah breathed his breath into Adam's being, he was imputing into him the pure life of he himself. When we partake of all of the nutrients of our body that our body needs, they only help to sustain life of our soul. The spirit of life of mankind initially came from Yah's breath breathed into Adam's nostrils. The life of all living creatures must have spirit in order to live. Elohim so designed that every creature he created would be able to adapt to its environment with a physical construction which was capable of functioning in an appropriate manner. Once Yah had structured each species, the Spirit gave life to each creature to perform in a manner in which it was designed to do so. The Spirit is the power behind the physical. So to be able to function and carry out a task, it is the enabling power of the Spirit which makes each species to be active. For without the activating power of the Spirit in our being, life would cease and death would result. Now, let us turn into the, uh, uh, the book of John, uh, James, that is. We want to turn to James, and in the book of James, there's a, there's a text here that we want to look at. In the book of James. Okay, in the book of James, we want to look at chapter 2, and we want to consider uh, verse 26. The last verse in chapter 2 of James says this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So here James is supporting the fact that if we have a body, that body is dead if you don't have a spirit. But if you got a spirit, then it has life. Okay? So all forms of life exist and function by their spirit. It is Yah's spirit in which he wants to put into the human temple of man to give to his people the life he himself, of he himself with the inner life of Yah's spirit activating our spirit 
it would bring about a, a, a revival among his people so that a life of holiness would result among his chosen people. Without Yah's spirit, no true revival can take place among us. No human planning or posturing can do what only his spirit can do. Yah's people must understand and take into consideration that no matter how many meetings and planning committees we have, no amount of human doing will accomplish Yah's ideals for his people. It takes Yah's spirit to accomplish his business. We must earnestly and fervently seek for his spirit to inundate us as the waters covered the earth in Noah's day. His spirit must overcome us. It is only by his spirit that we can have the power to accomplish his work. We cannot accomplish his work by our carnal plannings. If his work is to be accomplished, he said, it is accomplished by my spirit. And if you get my spirit, then I can accomplish this work. It is time to lay aside all human engineering and human questioning and let his spirit lead us every step of the way. Let us pray to him for his spirit daily for the outpouring of his spirit and to petition him momentarily for showers of his spirit. When we allow his life-giving spirit to take over our life, then will we realize that his work is not in our hands, but in his. We don't accomplish it with our human hand. We accomplish it with his divine hand. Now that we have examined the pneumo, somatic part of the soul, let us now turn our attention to the other aspect of the spirit, which we reference as the mental, and we call this the psychosomatic. So we had the pneumosomatic. Now we're looking at the psychosomatic. The psychosomatic is the relationship of the mind and the body. Just as Yah's spirit is responsible for the life of the soul, so is it responsible for the thinking of the brain. In the spirit of Yah is also his man. A part of the breath he breathed into Adam was his man. This is why Adam was capable of naming all of the living creatures Elohim made. Now let us turn to Genesis. We turn to Genesis. We're looking at his man because a lot of time we look at his spirit as life, but that life comes with a man as well. So if you damage the spirit, you damage your man. So here we find in Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says, And out of the ground Yah Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all creature, all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. So when he told Adam to name the animals, who taught him how to name the animals? 
Well, that was because when the breath was breathed into Adam, Adam's was partakers not only of the life of Elohim, but also the thinking of Elohim. So therefore, the equipment that he put within Adam, like you put the programming into a computer, he knew that that life that he was breathing into him also had his mind. So therefore, Adam was well uh, able to name the animals because he had the mind of Elohim. Now, when we look at uh, Genesis, let's look at Genesis chapter 1 in verses 24 and 25. Genesis 1, 24 and 25. Now, notice what it says. So we see that the man and the breath, they are all together. Okay, now the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 24 and 25, it says... And Elohim said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And Elohim made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every living thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and Elohim saw that it was good. So here we are seeing in these particular passages, when we understand that when we came back to Yah's, we, we must understand that when we uh, come back to Yah's covenant, we are also returning to the way uh, he thinks. Okay. His way of thinking is found in his covenant. Yah not only created man to look like him in his physical being, but also to think like him in his mental being. So when he made, the Bible says here in 24 and 25, that both the male and the female, they were to think like Elohim. That's what he made our minds for, to think like he thinks. And that's the highest form of thinking that we can have on earth. So when we read the scriptures, when we read the covenant, and when we go by that, we are going by the highest thinking and the highest type of living that we can have is to go by his covenant. He made us that way. Man's body was to behave like Yah, and his brain was to understand like Yah's brain. In man and body, we are to reflect our creator. We were created to be human covenants, to walk, talk, and think like our creator. And the Bible teaches, you know, to obey with all our soul is to live and to think in a manner that would be consistent with his covenant. And if this covenant is obeyed in our spirit, this would mean that our life strength, strength, and our mental capacities would align with his. When Yeshua was upon this earth, he admonished us to do something. So let us see what he admonishes us to do. And we want to look at this text found in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, and verse 27, Luke 10, 27. Now let us notice what he says here. Luke 10, and we want to look at verse 27. 
Okay. Now, in, in the 27th verse of the 10th chapter of Luke, it says, and he was having a debate, and he was talking to this lawyer, and the lawyer wanted to know uh, what should he do for eternal life. Now, here's what Yeshua responded by saying in verse 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love Yah thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. So here he is saying, Love Yah our Elohim with all our heart. And we talked about the heart. And with all of our soul, we talked about the soul. And with all of our strength, and all of that is in the physical body and the spirit. And with all our man, what we can discern from this text is that when returning to his covenant, it must be with our entire being. As we can see, the returning to Yah's covenant is not just recognizing we are his true people coming out from under a curse, but we are returning to his covenant to be blessed by him. So when we come back to the covenant, it is not just something we say, but it's something that we do. And when we do it, we are not only speaking his covenant, but we actually become walking and living covenants when we do what he says. Because when he first made Adam, Adam was the first human covenant. But when he sinned, we broke that covenant. Now, at the end of time, he's calling us back to be covenant keepers. So when we live our life, we are actually living human covenants. We love him with all of our being. We love him with our physical body. We love him with all of our man. We love him with all of our spirit and all of our life. Okay, we'll stop there. Okay. So, um, if we all was to return to the covenant, and especially... I say this with the Hebrew, well, not just the Hebrews, I would say everybody. If we uh -huh. return to the covenant, um, we, we will, some of the curses and bad things will be lifted and we will be uh, more blessed. Uh -huh. Definitely. Uh, in other words, when we follow his way, then he's responsible for uh, the blessing. If we don't follow his way, he's not responsible for it. Uh, he, he, he's honors his way. That's why he gave it to us. Uh -huh. And so uh, if he made us to think like he thinks, did we lose that once sin entered into the world? Or is it still there? It's just that it's, you know, a lot more cloudier with sin. Well, it is clouded and uh, distorted by sin, but even in the midst of turmoil and distortion mm -hmm. and people not wanting his word. But even in the midst of all of this, if we come back to his covenant, we still come back to his blessings. Mm -hmm. we, we, we still do that. And that's true that a lot of people are not keeping his covenant. 
and they may have what you call material prosperity, but they don't have the spirit, spiritual uh, prosperity. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, they cannot be blessed with that. You know, just to have material things and not the spiritual is not really the full blessing. But he still honors what he gives, no matter how uh, uh, society has been structured, and no matter how many may go against it, those who stand amidst the crowd and say, well, I'm going to keep the covenant, he still honors that. Mm. So we have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, emailed by a listener, and I think this is an excellent question. How do you know if the spirit of Yah living is living within you? Okay. Um I'm, I'm going to try to answer that. Um, sometimes when a, when, a, when, a, when a question like that comes, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it has a number. It could, it could be uh, dealt with in a, in a num- number of ways, okay? When we, we talk about, you know, how to know whether Yah's spirit, you know, is with us. Yeah. Okay, well, now... Um, one of the ways that we we can know is found in the um, we can look in the first John. You know, he wrote uh, three epistles, and uh, these three letters kind of address the question that that is being asked. Okay, mm-hmm. and so as we look at that question, how can we know that we have the spirit of Elohim? Then we can we can look at what John had had to say. Okay, now let's uh, consider uh, in in the first epistle of John, not the gospel, but the first epistle of John. Let us consider some of the things that he brings out, and as we look at those things, I think we can be able to discern whether or not we have the spirit or not because that is the criteria of having of having his spirit and that's the main thing we need in order to be able to be moved by Elohim to be able to perform his will okay so it'll be it'll be good if we could read the whole book but I'm going to try to find some of the passages that can address the this particular issue uh, immediately. Okay, let us turn to the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter of First John, the fourth chapter. Okay, now here we're going to start with verse number one. It said, "Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of." of Elohim because many false prophets are going out into the world. Okay. He say, hereby know ye the spirit of Elohim. Every spirit that confesses that Yeshua, the Messiah is come in the flesh is of Elohim. Okay. Now that's very important there. He said that you'll know that you got, you ain't, you don't have but two spirits in the world. The spirit of the demon and the spirit of Elohim. Mm-hmm. And he said, in order to know the true spirit, 
you got to know uh, that you got to confess that Yeshua, the Messiah, is coming to flesh. Mm. And you remember the study that we had, we were showing that he was actually Elohim in the flesh mm. and where Christianity as a whole, they talk about a trinity and, and all of that, but they never say that he was actually, that Elohim was actually flesh. He took on flesh. Mm. And so that's one of the indications is that you recognize that he came in the flesh. Now, if the spirit haven't revealed to you that, the, that his son is coming in the flesh, according to the Bible, then that's the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. Now, let us go on read a little, little bit further. In verse 3 of the fourth chapter, it says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Yeshua, the Messiah, is come in the flesh, is not of Elohim. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, or the Anti-Messiah, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Just like we were talking earlier about certain faith, they don't believe that Yeshua is the son of Elohim. They don't believe that. So if you don't believe that he's the son of Elohim, that's the Antichrist. He wants you to believe that, because if you don't believe that Yeshua is the Antichrist, that then you have no intercessor between you and the Father. So if they can get you to believe that Elohim had no son, then that can be no salvation because Elohim, the Father, cannot die. And if he can't die, then who died for you? And if you haven't had anybody to die for your sins, then how can your sins be atoned for? That was what the Old Testament sacrifices was all about. Somebody had to die in your behalf. So Elohim couldn't die. But if he sent his son, his son could die. But if he had no son, then how are you going to get salvation? That's a devilish doctrine, okay? So we know that if we can confess that he has given us his son and we confess that, that's one way we can know that we uh, have the spirit, okay? Let us, uh, let, let us, well, actually, if you, if you read this uh, whole book, it won't, won't take a, but a few minutes. He talks about a number of things that we can know that we have his Holy Spirit. And in the same chapter, verse 4, you see, he said in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of Elohim. And everyone that loveth is born of Elohim and knoweth him. You know, and he goes on to give a, a number of indication of how we know that we ha have the Holy Spirit. Let us let's look at one more. Let us look at just one more text uh, uh, to bring out how we know that we have the, uh, the, the the Holy Spirit. And let us turn to the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5. Galatians, chapter 5. Okay. Now, what we're going to look at is, uh, is, uh, is a few verses here in Galatians 5. And we want to uh, read from verses 22 to 25. Now, the, the Bible here speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, a lot of people, when they read this text, they, they say, well, the fruits of the Spirit. No, the Bible didn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It said the fruit. It's talking about one fruit, okay? He says, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit only has one fruit. But that one fruit has a lot of attributes in it, okay? It has a lot of nutrients in that, in, in that fruit. 
in verse 22 of the fifth chapter of Galatians, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are messiahs have crucified the flesh. In other words, the flesh can crave a lot of things. And if you read just from verses uh, 16 to 21 in this same chapter, it talks about the fruits of the flesh. We don't want that. It says, the, uh, and they that are the messiahs have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So the spirit teaches us the pure life. And he said, if we live in the spirit, the same spirit that we live by, we will walk by. So the reason, the way, some of the ways that we can tell that we are, have the spirit is that we confess that Yeshua has come in the flesh. And another way is that we exemplify the type of love, peace, and long-suffering in our, in our lives. Then we know we have the Holy Spirit. So uh, piggyback on that, mm-hmm. just how, you know, before we started the podcast, we talked kind of talked about um, how Muslims and also in Judaism, how they mm-hmm. believe that Yahushua never came yet and that his son, that Yahushua was a prophet and not his son. But mm-hmm. with believing that way, does that set up well, it always talks about the Antichrist, but it sets up the Antichrist to appear easier because if these people are looking for him to come and you haven't accepted one who has already come, mm-hmm. you are setting yourself up for whoever comes and say they are him and maybe not and that are not mm-hmm. for basically setting yourself up for failure. Oh, definitely. Uh, that's a deception that is well orchestrated by uh, the antichrist, the uh, the anti-messiah. Mm. That's 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 well crafted. Mm-hmm. He knows that if he can convince you that he's not the son of Elohim, yeah, and that uh, uh, the Messiah has not yet come, whoever whoever it comes and proclaims that, they're gonna say, "Hey, here's here's Messiah." Yeah, because you don't believe he's the son anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 been orchestrated by him, and that's one of the intentions, and that's going to be one of the greatest deceptions in the world. That uh, he's going to, the evil one is going to try to imitate, is the second coming of Yeshua, and all of the antichrists. And if you read uh, Matthew's fourteen, mm-hmm. not Matthew's fourteen, but Matthew's twenty-four, it talks about the false prophets and the, and, and those who will be deceiving in the end of the world. And one of the great deceptions is that when he comes, uh, just before he comes, uh, he's going to imitate the second coming of Yeshua. Wow. You know, it's interesting because I I really believe if people started to really do a deep dive on these religions, I don't care whichever one it is, and start connecting the dots and putting pieces together, I think you will start to see the truth behind everything. Because mm-hmm. for me, as I study more and more, it seems like more and more coming to light that Satan has his hand in everything. Oh, it's just that he has fooled a lot of us 
to think, oh, say, Satanism is those people wearing a five-star pentagram, dressing in black, cutting in cells or whatever, drinking blood and all that, this crazy stuff. Uh-huh. And that the people who believe, oh, religion is a safe haven, going to church every day, praising the soul God. But when you really look at some of those things they're doing, it's satanic also. It's no different from the people who profess to be Satan worshipers. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of the things, if you probably really looked and compare and contrast, there are probably a lot of similarities there. Yeah, you you could if you make a list, make a comparison. You 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 will see that. Because one in point, idol worship, like the Satan people, they worship the uh, Baphomet, which is an idol. Mm-hmm. And the Christian churches, what they have a so-called uh, statues of Jesus, Mary, uh, the saints. You look at the stained glasses, the obelisk, and everything. All of that. It's not mm-hmm. what y'all want us to do. It's all Satanism. No. That's true. They break the, you know, the commandment, the first and second commandment that's have idols before him, all of these uh, statues and all of this stuff. And that's nothing but idolatry. Yeah. You know, and when you deal with idolatry, it goes beyond just the physical things. But we can start trying to make our own religion, you know, and we can start using holy days uh, that he has not uh, endorsed. Yeah. That's what you call psychological idolatry. Mm. Uh, you can, you can, you can uh, uh, take uh, people who say, well, you don't even have to eat healthy because mm-hmm. when he died on the cross, then uh, you can eat anything. Now, mm. how, how preponderous is that? If it was good for them to eat wholesome back then, yeah, and all of a sudden he died on the cross. Now we we don't even need to eat wholesome. Yeah, well you go tell you go to the hospital and you tell them that because all of these diseases and stuff that you're getting that has been caused by some some of the stuff that you're eating. Mm. That's what you call dietary idolatry. You know, wow. we got all kind of idolatry, and until we get back to the word of Elohim, then we are idolaters. We 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 just uh, idolaters. That's true. all. That's all we are. True. That is true. You know, and I and I, I don't think a lot of us. I don't think we think about that in that way. You know, um, we don't break it down a lot of those things. And even still, some people may. But I think too, a lot of us. You know, just what we about to get into. We just stubborn. We don't want to mm-hmm. um, change our lifestyle. Mm. You know, we want Yah to bless us. We want to go to into the kingdom, but we don't want to change. We want to no. do whatever we want to do, but still get in. That's right. You know. That's well, right. Well, with that, I think we might as well go ahead on into our next segment because it's kind of going to tie into that. So, okay. Um, this week I want to talk about stubbornness because when we look at everything, the destiny of disobedience, a lot of that has to do with our stubborn ancestors. And even we still stubborn to this day, we don't want to change. We want to keep continued to go and doing the same status quo. So 
in Scripture, Yah speaks about it. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn with me into Acts chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 51. Again, that's Acts chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses uh, 51. And it reads, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do, ye do always resist the set-apart spirit as your fathers did, so do ye. And I didn't realize this, read it, but, and you touched on the spirit. Maybe you can elaborate. What is the set apart spirit? Okay. Uh, let me see. As mentioned in, uh, verse 51. Oh, oh, I thought you was reading verse 51. Yes. Uh, verse 51. You said ye stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your father did, so do ye. Now, where are you saying? Oh, I guess in the version I have it said, I guess instead of oh. Holy Ghost, it says the set-apart spirit. Oh, okay, you got a different, oh, that's right, you're reading yours from the Sefer, right? No, this is from the, yeah. um, the, uh, restored... The restored name version. Restored name King James version. Okay. Well, the Bible that I got, I'm I'm reading the names of the names of God Bible is the title of man, but it reads a little different. Okay. It says you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Okay. So the Holy Ghost. And ghost is just a Latin word for spirit. Okay. Uh, so the other question So I I'm uh, assuming. Uh -huh. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I said I was assuming that the set apart spirit would be the Holy Spirit, which uh, Elohim has set apart for for His children. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think you're right. Cause in the Sefer, it uh, states resist the Ruach Hakodesh, which we know is the Holy Hakodesh, Spirit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess it just stated it different. Set apart mm -hmm. spirit. You know. Mm -hmm. So, let me ask this. Why, in your opinion, do we feel you feel we are such a stubborn people? Okay, uh, let, let, let me with uncircumcised okay, heart. Okay, uh, let let me ask that in this way, and I'm, uh, let me first get a text, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna kind of explore that text and really get into some essence here. Okay, why are people so stubborn? Okay, we want to. Turn to First Samuel, and in First Samuel we want to look at chapter fifteen, First Samuel chapter fifteen, and we want to consider verses twenty-two and twenty-three. And the Bible says, and Samuel said, "Hath Yah as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Yah?" Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So, 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 uh, here, here's what we want to look at in verse 22. Mm -hmm. He says to Saul, who had gone against the command uh, to do what Elohim told him to do, he said, "Kill everything." Saul saved the best of the animals, 
Mm-hmm. See, when Elohim tell you to do something, he wants you to do it. Mm-hmm. And you may think that you shouldn't, but you should. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying, behold, he said, if you obey me, that's better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. In other words, the sacrifices are important, but if you're not doing it the way he, he wants it, that sacrifice doesn't mean anything to him. Wow. And then he says, to hark it is better than the fat of rams. He said, you can get the fat from the rams to do the sacrifice. He said, but you should listen to my voice. That's the number one thing that you should do. Mm-hmm. If your sacrifice is going to be right, you got to listen to my voice and that you got to obey my word. Now, let's go to verse 23 of First Samuel 15. 23 says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and Stubbornness is as iniquity of idolatry, mm. because thou hast rejected the word of Yah, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, what I want you to look at is a, is, is what you call a, a, a spiritual equation. Mm-hmm. Note, notice what he does here in verse 23. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Mm. No, when you rebellion, he said you might practice in witchcraft. Wow. You, you just go, go ahead and practice witchcraft because that's what rebellion is about. Uh-huh. And he says stubbornness is as iniquity of idolatry. He said if you're stubborn, that's just like having been idolatrous. You are in idolatry. Wow. Okay, let us let us go into this. In other words, when people hear the word of Elohim and you explain it to them mm-hmm. and they still are stubborn, and rebellious. What is happening is so many layers of ignorance has been laid upon them from generation to generation. Uh-huh. And when you try to explain to them the truth, which they, they can see it, many of them see it, but due to their traditional upbringing, it is still difficult for them to do the things that the Bible says, even though they're looking at it themselves. They're uh-huh. looking at it. And they can't disprove it, but because they have done it so long, their habits and tradition still override the word itself that they continue in the path that they're going because we are creatures by habit. If we do a certain thing a certain way, this is the way we want to do it because that's the familiar road. Mm -hmm. And so when truth is presented, they don't want to get off that familiar road. They want to stay there. This is why it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to break through all of those layers of uh, of years and, and and indoctrination that that we have to try to get through all of those layers in order to be able to get the truth to them. And it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. We can't do that. We can put it out there, but it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to break through that mindset that has been overlaid with layers after layers of layers of ignorance and error and untruth mm-hmm. to be able to get to the to that person so they can see truth. But other than that, they'll stick to it just like Saul did. Saul knew the truth, mm-hmm. but he stuck to what he wanted to do. And many people, when they even see the truth, they're going to stick even to what they want to do because they feel more comfortable with that. So I think that's some of the reasoning why a person can be so stubborn and a person can be so rebellious 
also with that with them being rebellious, it's like sometimes if I feel, you know, we don't learn, even though Yah has took us through the depths of despair. I mean, you know, just like I look at our people now, like we're constantly for many years, we've been dragged and dragged and still being dragged through the mud. And I just wonder why, as some of us have not just wake up and say, is there a better day? Maybe if I change, because even how I embrace the feast days and everything, I was going through so much and looking for it out. And then something came to me and tell me, what do I have to lose by trying? And I'm like, you know, with everything black people have gone through in this, in this nation seem like our people would also say, what do I have to lose? by trying uh, to turn way I've been taught in the path I've been going down, you know, or some just don't know. Yeah, well, some don't know it and some may, but due to the fact that it's not something that is popular, Mm -hmm. like when you look at the 6 o'clock news, nobody is talking about returning to the covenant. They are just talking about the worldly events and what's going to happen about the war and all of this. They, they, they are not tuned into that. So even though they may hear you, Mm -hmm. if nobody's doing it and they haven't been raised up with it, then they may say, I'm not going to even consider it, but I'm going to try to get it another way. And I think this is one of the problems is, is that if you know something is right, why not do it? But people choose to say, well, I don't see anybody else doing it. Well, if you follow the crowd, sometimes you're not you're gonna get what the crowd gets. Yeah. But sometimes if you deviate from the crowd to do something, sometimes you'll find it's a great blessing. But due to the fact that leaders do are holding the people in bondage, just like the false pharaohs was holding the people in bondage down in Egypt, mm-hmm. you got a lot of the false pharaohs today that are holding the people in bondage. They're not telling the people that you should follow the covenant. They're not even saying anything about it. Yeah. All they want to do is get the people there, and, and they are nothing but prosperity pimps. And when they get all of the money, then they are satisfied. But you mean to say you, you're satisfied with getting all of the money, but at the same time, when you look at the community of the, uh, of the Hebrew people and how they are living, yeah. could not two or three ministers or somebody or five or six, matter of fact, in some areas, you got more churches uh, uh, than you may have gas stations. You know, yeah. I mean, you just got churches on every block. Couldn't all of those preachers get together and say, well, hey, let's let's see what it is that we need in order to raise our people. And what can we do for the people? We are taking all of this. We, we're taking all the wool from the sheep. Mm-hmm. We're taking all of the fat from the sheep. And we are living good off of the fat and off of the uh, the wool of the sheep. Can we do something for the sheep by coming into this community and say, well, we got enough churches in this area to start a business in order to help the people. But moreover, can we come back to the covenant ourselves and make sure we are in the covenant? And so when we teach them the covenant and also teach them the business, could not it be a, a prosperous thing? Because we're actually going by what Elohim told us to do. But if the leaders are not leading the people, and not, that's not to say that because the leaders are not leading them right, that the people should continue to walk in that. No, I'm saying the people have a responsibility to get in the word themselves to understand it, but they are 
being led by leaders, should not the leaders who are responsible for the people, should not they be the first one to put it out there? And then the people under them could start reading about this too. And then when the leaders and the followers are together, it makes it more, uh, it gives more strength to the movement to be able to accomplish what Elohim wants us to accomplish and to be able to get the, the wealth and the prosperity that he wants us to get. But, you know, just thinking on what you just said, uh, I would think if a minister wanted to be prosperous and he actually, they actually came out and said, you know what, to my congregation, we've been going wrong all these years. We've been keeping Sunday. It should be Shabbat on seventh day. We need to switch to seventh day. We need to return to the covenant. I would think those blessings that was described in Deuteronomy 28 would start to come into play because now you are starting to live the life that the most high wants his people to live. And therefore mm -hmm. comes with that is pros more prosperity, not only prosperity and wealth, but prosperity and souls that you bring into the most high who was mm -hmm. heading down the wrong path and the wrong road. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, but I, I think a lot of these ministers get caught up with all this physical stuff now. All this physical stuff here. I mean, if you really study scriptures and Bible, it goes nowhere. It's dead here. A car mm -hmm. is only going to be new for so long. A home is only going to be new for so long. That mm -hmm. airplane you own only going to be new for so long. That clothes, expensive designer clothes you wear is only going to be new for so long. Mm -hmm. Then after that, what, you need more? You know, I don't get it here. These guys supposed to be of the cloth, supposed to be a representation of the most high. But you, they are more in tune to worldly things than spiritual things. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to do better as a people. And it's crazy, you know, those are the people that you hear about most often in the media and uh -huh. everything, you know, because I think they want you, Satan wants these people to continue on the path that they are. He doesn't want them to change in any form or manner. No, I think once you get comfortable and getting a good salary without preaching the truth, for some reason, you feel that if you preach the truth, you might not get it. Well, you may not get it. I don't know, because a lot of times when people are confronted with the truth, they will leave you because traditionally yeah. this is what they have been doing. But there have been ministers who have been able to embrace the truth, the truth of the matter. They may not be mega preachers today, but they still are well off. Uh -huh. They're still making it. Because one of my, when I was uh, in my pursuit of truth, and I'm still pursuing truth, I haven't stopped yet. But one of the things I had to think about when I was presented about keeping the Sabbath in opposition to Sunday, one of the things I said to myself, I said, "Wait a minute, Richard." I said, "When I was not keeping the true Sabbath, I said, Elohim bless me. Uh -huh. Do you think?" that now that I start keeping the true Sabbath, that he's going to forsake me? I said, mm -hmm. that, don't, that don't even seem right. So I caused keeping the, uh, the true Sabbath. And didn't he bless me? He sure did. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Well, Pastor, with that, as we get ready to close out, can you take us to the throne? Our loving Father, we thank you for another day, and even the Sabbath day. And this day is when we get the blessings, oh, Heavenly Father, and the refreshment to our spirit to be able to be renewed for another week. And we thank you for the interchange and the intermingling, oh, Heavenly Father, of the word and the questions that has been asked, oh, Heavenly Father, and the way that we see truth, that we can be able to embellish it and to continue to study into it, that we may be living covenants for you, that as we walk and talk and think, that we may do it in the way that you you would do it. We may think the way you would think. We may walk the way you would walk. We may talk the way that you would talk because we have your spirit that is governing both our bodies and our spirit to be able to have the interaction in ourselves that we can be living covenants, walking among men, oh, Heavenly Father, demonstrating your truth through the life that we live. So as we get ready, oh, Heavenly Father, to close this broadcast and to close this series, and we get ready to have a two-week off that you would bless us and protect us and give us the things that we stand in need. And when we meet again, we can look back and give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the thanks for the wonderful blessings that you have given to each of us. These blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We, we want to remind you that we will be taking a two-week break. So December the 31st and January the 7th, we will not be having a live podcast. So please use that time to reflect, to maybe revisit some of the past podcasts you may have missed or you have heard them all. Maybe something in them you want to revisit. So uh, take that opportunity the next two weeks to catch up. Or, you know, to revisit some of our podcasts. And we will be back, mark your calendars, we will be back January the 14th at 1 p.m. January the 14th at 1 p.m. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at signsofthecovenant at gmail.com. O ye seed of Yasharel, his servant, ye children of Yaakov, his chosen ones. He is Yahuwah Eloheinu. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Until January the 14th, Shalom.